Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dream Job Ready podcast. My name is Dane Sharp. I'm your host and I've got a super exciting episode for you today. So I am in Kiama, New South Wales, Australia, sitting in the house of our guest. Our guest is Darren slash Daz Longbottom. Uh, I was put onto Darren's book um, quite recently, Beyond the Break is the name of the book, which we'll talk about today. Uh, and I was just inspired, surprised, alarmed, uh, every feeling under the sun reading the book. I'd known a little bit about Darren's backstory, but... Um, you obviously feel like I know you, which makes always these interviews always awkward um, through the book, mate. And I was really keen to get you on this podcast, um, more so because throughout the book, something that hit me a lot was the, I guess, inspiration and motivation that work and your job and your profession and your craft gave you uh, throughout your story. Now, what is your story for those that don't know? I'm going to throw it to you because in this podcast, we won't be able to tell the whole story. We won't do it justice um, in the short amount of time we have, but we'll definitely talk about parts of it. And I'd love you, if you can, to give us, I guess, in your words, what your summary is when you tell people about uh, the trip you did, which was a surfing trip, the accident that you had, and I guess the events that followed, which make up your book, Beyond the Break. Okay, well, thanks for having me, Dane. Uh, Basically, the story goes that, you know, as surfers, we all look for that dream sort of uh, holiday destination where we're surfing perfect waves. So, you know, we took a charter boat over in the Mentawis, which is islands off, uh, what is it, the southwest coast of Sumatra in Indonesia. Uh, a 14-hour boat right off the mainland, away from any sort of civilization. So, uh, surfing perfect waves, palm trees everywhere, isolated islands, uh, grabbing great waves with great friends, and uh, one morning, surfing out there like like any other day, I caught a wave, went flying down, flying down the wave, pulled off, and uh, I bailed off the back of the wave, which many might have seen uh, in the movies or on film. Just done a few somersaults up in up in the sky, came down and basically landed head first. Thought I was going into water, but crashed through my surfboard, and in, you know, crushing my neck instantly paralyzed uh, and knocked me out unconscious just laying in the water uh, we believe we're, I was out for about 45 seconds luckily I had friends close by who sort of seen something that was going on we had a jet ski there so he was coming past he was the first one that discovered me 
and then it was basically, you know, I just discovered I, I was paralysed. Well, I hadn't discovered I was paralysed at that moment. Uh, boys came in, rescued me, got me on the got me on the back of the jet ski, on the back of the sled on the jet ski. Uh, that was a bit of a mission, you know, sitting in the impact zone. But we got out, and um, as we went out in the jet ski, the jet ski stopped. And at that point, I seen you know one of my legs fly past my my, my eyesight, and I uh, realised then and then that I couldn't feel anything paralyzed and i just went out of it so the next 24 hours was the whole rescue recovery mission uh, i blanked out of it then uh, the guys got me back to the boat lifted me up onto the back of the boat uh, and then it was it was you know what do we where do we go from from here no hospitals no doctors no medical no nothing uh so a, a couple of hours of frantic calling you know you know uh, medical guys overseas, insurance companies. Uh, we worked out we're sort of all alone. So everyone was f- flying by the seat of their pants. Uh, we did happen after a couple of hours. Well, at that time, there was a fuel crisis in Indonesia at that point. So the Medivac cop- uh, helicopter that was coming from Jakarta could get to us but couldn't get back. So that was off the table. Uh, we couldn't boat back because our boat was too slow. Uh, we couldn't take the speedboat because it was too bumpy. Um, so we found all guys from another boat, knew of a, a, a doctor, an independent doctor up in the northern adults, which had a helicopter. They got onto him. He agreed to come down and uh, help medivac me to the mainland. Uh, so we waited there for for a few hours. He eventually arrived, and when he arri- uh, arrived, we you know, we realised it was a tiny helicopter. How were we actually going to get me in there? So the options were to tie me on underneath the helicopter to fly me to the mainland, or jam me in. And obviously, being a spinal patient, I'd, we you know pretty worked out that I'd broken my neck. Uh, you know that I've got to be you know immobilised. But the options were to, to tie me on underneath or you know, to jam me in there. Well, the boys didn't want to tie me underneath for you know, for good reasons. So the next option was to sit me upright and jam me in this helicopter. So we eventually got me in the, in the helicopter after ripping out doors and seats. And uh, we took off. I had to take off on my own, so I had to leave all my friends there. Uh, so I was in the hands of this helicopter and, and this uh, doctor. And the plan was to arrive at, at uh, Padang. Uh, there was a medivac jet waiting for us from Singapore on the tarmac and there was an ambulance crew going to meet us at the rendezvous point, get me back to the plane. So uh, we took off. Uh, we flew low across to the mainland. Uh, that, that was, like I said, it was a small helicopter, so that was only taking, that was taking quite a long time. And as we were flying up the coast, um, the sun was setting, so it was getting dark. The chopper was uh, running out of petrol. All he had was a little Nokia 5150 yellow phone. So no communication. Uh, at one point, you know, I was like a little kid just asking, you know, are we there yet? Are we there, are we there yet? And uh, at one point, he just started circling this little this little opening in the forest 
as as it was getting dark, I couldn't speak to him because you know loud sort of tinny helicopter, and realised that we were landing, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. We landed. A uh, few sort of villages were around. They were playing some sort of sport. Uh, so we landed. Uh, helicopter doctor had to go make contact. Obviously speaking a different language. Uh, he, he had to come back to me. I had to get out of the helicopter. I Basically, they had to lay me down in dirt. At this point, I still had half a surfboard strapped to my, to my back as a spinal board. Uh, he realised that there was no help there. We, we needed some sort of transportation to get it to the rendezvous point. Uh, so he's come back to me and asked, you know, I need to go get help. I need to leave you here. So basically I was left in the, in the jungle there for a few hours on my own. I was all strapped in so I couldn't move. I couldn't talk at that time. Uh, so all I had was my mind, uh, all these people around, you know, they're all curious guys. They hadn't seen anything like this before. Uh, so alone for three hours, what I thought was three hours. Uh, eventually he's come back with a, what I thought was an ambulance, but it was just an old you know, rickshaw van. They're throwing me in there, another two or three hour drive to the airport. I uh, got to the airport and I could see the jet, but the airport had closed down. The ambulance crew that were supposed to transport us had gone out looking for us. We'd been basically, we disappeared off the face of the earth for, a, for a half a day. Uh, no one could get in contact with us. No one knew where we were. So I sat in the car park there for a couple of hours until eventually somebody came back uh, got on the jet and flew to Singapore. So this, this whole day, you know, from, from point of breaking my neck to getting safely to a hospital was around 20, 22 hours. That's basically the story. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong on the whole process. Mate, that's how it got explained to me uh, when you know, a friend of mine told me about your book was imagine being in the most remote place you can think of. Uh, and, and for those that are listening that aren't a surfer or haven't been to the Mentawis, you know, in, in some respects, you know, maybe think about Tom Hanks's castaway movie or, or just imagine one of the, you know, one of those little islands you've seen on a picture. It's like that to some degree. So that was explained to me was imagine being as remote as you can and then everything you can think of if, you, if you've got an imagination going wrong. Um, and again, you know, that, I really appreciate that summary. That was brilliant. Um, you know, I do implore everyone to, to read your book because it's that times 10, obviously, when you start going into the detail um, and you talked about time. And that's one thing that really resonated as well when I was reading it was the essence of time. Uh, you know, it, I can't imagine how that didn't feel. And I'm sure it probably did. felt like a lifetime, probably also felt like one minute, like and then every other second in between. You know, if you can, I guess if you can sort of relate that to those that haven't had to go through that type of, you know, 24 hour, 28 hour intense journey, um, but mother time catches up with everyone. Is that something that's sort of sat with you ever since is the essence of time? And we've got a lot of time, but we also don't have a lot of time to, you know, achieve things, do things, live our lives, etc. Has that sat with you in any way? Uh, yeah, it has a little bit. Um, 
I mean, there's like I said, there's two ways you can look at it, like whether we do have enough or or too short. But you know what what this injury has taught me is that um, I've broken, I've been able to break down things to to the most simplistic form, uh, and that comes back to time as well. You know, so like like I'm a I'm a simple man with simple pleasures as well. So I try and take in as much as I can, but I'm a bit of a contradiction in myself as well because I'm always trying to plot the path forward. Like I'm always, you know, I always catch myself that um, I'm living in the future too much, you know, because I'm plotting that path. Um, that there's 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 always a fu- there's always a way forward. I I hope I can explain this right. There's always a you know. There's a point where you want to get to it and it's just all about reverse engineering and uh, and then just taking the time to, to go through, you know, from, from point to point to point. You can only achieve one point at a time. Um, you know, you've got your end goal, but reverse engineering, just take the time and just focus on those simple, simple methods of getting there. Now, we'll talk through a lot of... Um what you just summarised during this during this episode, um, but we'll also talk about um, yeah present day um, because one of the key reasons I wanted to talk to you and in, in interview with with this podcast um, is because you are a business owner, uh, you do have a dream job, um, you know you, you own your own surf store, um, you know you've been working in the surf industry, surf retail, you've had your own shops for a long long time now, and I'll let you talk to that in a sec. Um, but the other thing that resonated for me, and I'd love to talk through some of this, was throughout your book, throughout your detailing of, I guess, the events that had to happen from, as you said, breaking your neck to getting to some level of medical support. And then really the second part of the book is the process and going through the, you know, what I'm sure is phase one of a recovery and rehab. Um, throughout it, you talk a lot about work and a lot about the motivation and inspiration that your business, your job, your staff, everything in between gave you. Um, and I was surprised about it because it's sort of, when you think about it, you're like the last thing I'm thinking about is work, you know, everything else I've got to deal with, the fact I'm injured, money, life, blah, blah. But I, I wanted to sort of stop and just ask you, why do you think work remained, even in a crisis, so interesting, important, motivational for you um well when i was writing the book i didn't realize I, i'd spoken about work so much you know but I, I guess looking back throughout my life like i was i'm like a uh i'm a second generation of surfer so my father was a surfer but he was also working in the surfing industry as well so as, as a little grommet i was always in in the uh, in the factory, looking at all these guys making boards, you know, out on the shop floor, looking at things. And I guess that had such an influence to me that 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 was just instilled in me that maybe that was what I was always going to do. I loved it that much that I was always going to end that way, and um, um, maybe because I spoke about work so much, it's just because that's it's so intuitive in me. Like it's it's not work to me. This is something I've I've always done ever since I was a little grommet. And whether it's the people I've worked with, which are, I feel are my people, uh, you know, the people that come that are get you know, walk, walk into the store are still my people. Um, yeah, I've supported my life through surfing, so I don't actually see it as work. It's just it's just a part of me, 
and how I function through life. Mate, that's a gold answer. And that's, that's what I expected to hear an answer like that because, you know, it, it's quite humbling and I'm not surprised to hear you say that, you know, after you wrote the book and probably read it back, you realise you talk about work a lot. And I think that hearing that even makes it, to me, really understand that it was real, like a lot of that stuff. And, and as you said, you know, your work was more than just a job. Like, like it is for a lot of us, it's part of our life. You know, we spend so much time working and in jobs that if we hate it, it really matters. But if we love it and we enjoy it and it is that, you know, quote unquote dream job, it's just a part of our life. It's part of our every day. It's part of who we see, etc. So, So that's really awesome. I think there's, there's something in that. I was really impressed by it. Um, and, and just really interested in it. And, and it sounded like it was something that really helped you make a difference to stepping through the, the huge recovery that you had to do. So what I'd love to do if I can is, while I was listening to your book, uh, even before I thought about you know, getting, getting in contact and, and setting this interview up, I actually took down a few notes of things that, um, that you really hit home on. And what I'd like to do is step through them and, and kind of see and you can take the journey, you can take this conversation where you will, but I'd love to sort of talk through some of these things that I wrote down from your book. Um, and have you talked to, I guess, how they made a difference and why they mattered during the crisis that you went through and, and, and or why they've mattered since and or why they matter in a job and in work and in business, if that's okay. You want to play the little game? All right, let's go. Right, so the first one, um, pretty pretty clear one, is is mindset. Um, you obviously talk a lot about mindset uh, in the book and the importance of having, you know, an appropriate or the right mindset. So talk to me about that and how that mattered at the time, has mattered ever since, and how you think it really, why you think it really matters in the workforce. Okay, well, um, I've always had the thought that uh, when it comes to stress. Um, that you can't really control stress, you can't really control external factors. Uh, so if we just remain sort of focused, we can just move through as best as you can. Uh, anything else outside that, you can't really control. So just focusing on the things you can really control is to get there. Um, when it comes to another set of mindset I have is like there is, yeah, there's always someone in a worse spot. So no matter how bad things can be, uh, there is actually someone a bit worse, you know. So I learnt very early that, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd lived in a hospital for nine months going through this. So I've seen a lot, of, a lot of bad things. I've seen a lot of good things as well. But I quickly realised that I was focusing on guys that, that, were more, uh, that were more capable than me about doing things. You know, I, li- I pretty much lived on the spinal ward and that was the shoulder ward to the brain ward. So I did see some ugly things and I, I did find myself looking, as I said, at the, at the paraplegic, so the guys had all arm function, they had balance and stuff and wished you know, I, could, I could do what they did and then I quickly realised that there was guys laying in bed still you know, that, that were paralysed from the neck down who, who couldn't do anything. So I quickly realised that uh, I was super lucky where I was so instead of looking forward and wanting to be at some place that I couldn't be, I had no control of being, that I was super happy being in the place I was, unfortunately, because of people that were less fortunate than me. 
so and I've 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 used that uh, going forward in sort of all aspects of life, whether it's you know seeing seeing my daughter go through sort of some some dramas, whether it's going through any sort of uh, issues through work, you know it it may be not so good, but it could be a lot worse. So let's just focus on what we have and move forward from there. The next one I think you're going to find quite interesting and, and I'm, I know it's going to be an interesting answer. Uh, and I might actually just get you to set this up because you're, you're a business owner. Um, how long have you owned your, your retail stores for? I've owned it now for 16 years. Okay. And just for a bit of context, uh, for those that are listening, you're obviously in a wheelchair given your injury. Can you just uh, define the injury that, that you... So I'm a C7 complete quadriplegic. So complete means that uh, below my level of injury, which is pretty much straight line from my armpits. Armpits down, I don't feel a thing or I can't move a thing. Um, it, that, it also affects, um, I'm pretty much paralysed from my elbows down to my fingers as well. So it means I can move my arms, uh, but my, all my fingers are affected. So luckily I've had one operation in one arm where I've had tendon transfer so I can get a grip in a hand. Uh, the fingers in the other hand uh, don't function at all. So um, that's what they call a C7, so it's a level of my neck where I broke my neck, uh, quadriplegic. So let's be real, mate. Work and tough, and it works tough. Only a business is hard uh, for, you know, for everybody under the sun, um, let alone you know, when you've got to you know, deal with these changes in your life. You talk a lot about calmness and patience and you know it first comes up obviously during your journey getting off the boat into medical support but if you can also talk to me about the patience and calmness that I'm sure you've had to have and just every business owner has to have in you know in their career well I was, I was forced to learn patience the hard way uh, obviously having you know not being able to be well, not being mobile at all I've had to really rely on people to, to help me out. And with that comes, you know, understanding their time and, and knowledge. So for me, having to, you know, essentially wait around on things um, has been a big learning lesson. Uh, but it's also shown me how people are willing to, you know, put down their swords and, and come and help where you do. I've been super fortunate uh, within my staff. Uh, that have helped me around uh, just doing things like I've had to learn to obviously with no fingers you know I've had to learn on just doing things like you know just simple chores like computer work you know I had to set up a, a little office when I in my rehab in in the hospital room to to help at least I had to work out what I couldn't couldn't do and how I how I could help the business and how I'd be you know in the way uh, but I have been super fortunate that everyone's jumped in to help and it's, you know, I'm still learning going along this journey on what I can and can't do. Uh, the, the most frustrating thing is, you know, things that took five seconds uh, before, before the injury are now taking like five minutes. So add them all on top of each other. You know, it takes, you know, you know a day can, can uh, get wiped off the schedule pretty quickly. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, I enjoy learning. So every day is a learning curve for me. I'm still, still discovering what I can and can't do or what, what accomplish, accomplishments I can make. Uh, that's what keeps me going. So yeah, it's all good. 
And mate, you're obviously, you know, well, don't, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not Yoda. And, you know, you're still human. Uh, and despite, I guess, being forced to, to learn the, some level of uh, art of, you know, patience and, um, and, and calmness, um, you know, you, you must get the same work and, and job and business frustrations that the rest of us do. Um, has, did that help? You know, when you came back and I guess got back into working, did did the journey that you went on into recovery and rehab and the injury, did, do you think that helped in the workplace just from sort of the general business qualms that we deal with day to day? In terms of, well, I mean, if, if, you're, if you wanted to boil my injury down into one word, it'd be frustration. So being, I've always been a super independent person and that's why I always look at this as one big test for me, whether you're, if you're spiritually or not, somebody's sending me a test. But uh, frustration's been a, a real, uh, uh, not an issue for me, but something that, you know, I come home and have a box with myself, you know, over, you know, trying to rely on people, but things not getting done your way. But then on the same hand, being appreciative that things did get done a certain way rather than no way. Uh, so, you know, with frustration... You know, it bleeds into patience there. So, it's 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 a hard one to bridge. Like because you are super frustrated every day, but over time you just learn the patience gets. You know, it just instills more and more patience in you. So again, it's just like a, a double sided sort. It's like a tennis match. You know, frustration hits the ball, patience hits it back. Uh, I think that's a good insight for everybody. Um, now, this one isn't a one-worder like the last one. This is something I wrote down. You, you said it a couple of times. You don't believe in fate or karma. Shit just happens. Yeah. Well, yeah. I sort of believe, like a lot of people like saying karma. Like, over, you know, everyone keeps telling me, oh, yeah, God only gives us tests to people who can withstand it and God has mysterious ways. But, you know, things, I think the world's just made up of hundreds of random of or, billions trillions whatever of random events i'm just super unfortunate to have you know an event like this happen in my life but yeah you know whether you look at it whether you're fortunate or unfortunate to learn that you know what the human spirit can do you know most most people don't get the chance to 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 test that flight fright flight um sense in you I have, and I've learned that you know, you know, I've come out of this a lot stronger. I know myself a lot better now, all because of the injury. You know, without the injury, I, I would never know. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And I think that probably steps us on to another one I wrote down, and you talked a little bit about this in the, in the great summary that you gave us, was, was around perspective and, and I guess, you know, knowing, seeing, setting those small goals towards achievement. Um, take, let's, let's stay away from, you know, the injury and the recovery and more talk about uh, your profession and, and running a business. Does that ring true every day, every week? every year for you and, and I suppose in the in the year that we've had year and a half now being tested um, through COVID and everything that's thrown at us is that something you're still preaching to yourself and to your staff and your business yeah definitely I think accomplishment is is, is a super important thing for all of us and um, yeah we were only speaking about this the other day at, at the store because it was you know this time 12 months ago when things started blowing up and um, we look back yeah, that was myself and my manager trying to set you know, a path or a way forward how we're going to plan through this. And, and we set little goals that we wanted to achieve uh, while this, while this um, sort of pandemic was happening, you know. And each, we still were only laughing about it that we're sitting out the front plant, plotting all these paths. And at each point where we hit the plot, we'll, we, we weren't high five, but we're laughing about it, going, wow, we just done these. And even though they were small accomplishments, it was giving us a, a bit of self-worth, you know, and it gave us that extra extra uh, food to uh, or extra fuel to, to move across to the next one. So uh, I think, and what I learned through my, uh, my injury as well, that we just get so much uh, fulfilment from each accomplishment we do make, but no matter how, how big or small it is. I think it's a great one, mate, and it's, it's one that, it gets forgotten so easily when you're in the thick of it, uh, you know, in your job or, you know, especially if you're a manager and a leader, sometimes you just forget to celebrate the wins, big, small or, or indifferent. Um, and we obviously, you know, we want to succeed. So there's so much focus on the problems or improvements and optimizations, etc. that, um, you know, those accomplishments or achievements, as you mentioned, can fly by um, and are quickly forgotten, even though they shouldn't be. So that's a huge one. Um, bit of a transition, but one that I'd also like to sort of get a take from you on why this came up a couple of times in the book and I, uh, when you were going through everything, going through the ordeal, if you want to call it that, I'm not actually sure what to call it, but, you know, the injury and, and the, the route to recovery. Um, but also, I'd love to know what you think about this now. And this is, you talk a couple of things about, you had a hundred things going on in your mind. And when you're talking about being in a random person's tiny helicopter that's running out of fuel in the middle of the Indonesian jungle, like 
for sure. I got a thousand things on my mind. Talk to me about that and, uh, and just relate it if you can to, it feels like that in business and in, in work sometimes as well. And, and how you then you've you learned to prioritize as a leader and as a business owner over these years? Mm. Well, I guess that's a hard one because as I said, there's a lot, I think there's a lot going on in everyone's head. And, uh, yeah, and then we need to get those thoughts to the lips to articulate it, to, to get crew to, to, you know, listen or, or follow this, the steps, you know, and that's something I do, that's probably, you know, my, uh, weakest area, unfortunately, is, is, uh, you know, is articulating the right message to the staff and that's where I've had to lean on, on people to help me out, um, but as you can see now, you know that's a, that is a struggle for me. But um, you know, like I said, I'm a simple man, so I just put it out in simple words, and um, that's best way I can describe it. Yeah. So communication, and yeah, maybe that steps us to another one that I wrote down was uh, you talk about learning practically. Um, you, know, you you reference your know, learning on the job, uh, and, and in the book you're talking a lot about uh, learning to you know move from a bed to a wheelchair, learning to use a wheelchair, obviously all these things that prior to the injury you never had to worry about or think about and, and unfortunately like a lot of the listeners, you know, you take for granted. So you talk a lot about in the book about just learning this stuff and how you push yourself to learn it by doing it as opposed to, I guess, um, you know, expecting it to happen or, or another stretch. Is that something you condone for, I guess your employees and your staff and you'd sort of condone for um, people progressing through their career is like, you just get out there and rip yep. into it, get into it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think all, all of my life I've just been somebody who's just, you know, uh, pulled the socks up and just got it done. Uh, I believe that uh, in reality, you know, there's things that happen in reality that just, that just can't be written in textbooks. Uh, so we just need to all get out there and do it. Uh, the best way to learn is, is, like I said, through your mistakes. I don't think there's enough of it these days. And, you know, I, I through, uh, with my staff, I allow them, I give them, I give them the jobs and I allow, I allow them to make the mistakes so they can become better at that certain job. So I'm a big believer in practicalities. Um, you know, with my journey of living in a wheelchair, as I said before, I'm still learning things, you know, yeah, like falling out of my chair. Like I've fallen out of my chair a few times, and I've had, I've had to learn to, um, yeah, get back up on my chair. I've got, you know, I've got no balance. I've got no strength, and I've got to, I've got to get back into a chair that sits, you know, two foot high. You know, so there's nothing that anybody can tell me, or nothing I can read that'll get me back into there. So all it is is try and try again, and just learn from there. Yeah, I think that's a great advice, and you know, and I, I think for you, by default, reading the book, you, your journey is is motivating and, and inspiring. Like if, and it's certainly obviously not an intent of yours to, to do that, but you know, just just reading how you applied yourself to, you know, that road to recovery, and I guess working out how to use a wheelchair for the first time and onwards, et cetera. It, it, it's, it, was, it was really humbling reading that. So, so again, I implore people to kind of 
really keep a key eye out for that in the book. Um, you know, learning on the job, I think, is a great one. Now, I, I intentionally laid these out uh, chronological because the other one you talk about a lot is the ability, or, or what you're saying, is a is a is a gift to cut corners, think outside the box, and find efficiencies on the job. So, you talk a lot about learning how to do stuff, but then you also talk about the the uh, skill you have of, yeah, as I said, thinking outside the box, cutting corners. Talk to me about that. Well. Whether no, I won't, I won't say it's where uh, it comes from almost being lazy by nature, but you know, a lot of people like to talk about thinking outside the box. I like to think of it sometimes as as uh, looking inside the box and whether whether we need to get you know if we need to get from point A to D, whether we whether B and C is necessary to get to those points. So you know, instead of instead of plotting the path and going right around the corner, is it easy just apexing that corner? And getting straight to there, uh, and just really, you know, weighing up whether those those points are all necessary to getting uh, getting to that to the point we're aiming towards, or on the other hand, you know, looking totally way outside the box and looking for a total new route or route altogether. That's the fit, and man, if I can jump from that to, I guess, what inspires you. Um, with your job, with your business, um, why do you do what you do? Um, and then I'll bring it back to, to that thinking outside the box and finding efficiencies. But yeah, why why do you own a surf store? Why do you run your own business? What what drives you with that? Uh, well, I think the as I said before, the independence by nature is, is a big thing. Um, I've surfed ever since I can remember. Uh, so you know, I've surfed every every job I've had has felt like a an apprenticeship to exactly where I am at this point you know I've worked through you know I've, I've built boards before well, I started off sweeping shaving bays and then progressed you know to help manufacture boards I've moved into you know into sales into marketing back into manufacturing into you know buying and now I'm, I'm running my own store but I think I just get I just get the joy from uh, being my own man being able to you know to to be independent in my own way where I can look after my family uh, without the man hanging over my head. Um, and also, you know, obviously before the, the injury, it was all, uh, it felt like it was all about, you know, obviously um, yeah, looking after the family, but still give me that time to surf as much as I can, keep me close to the ocean. Uh, and now as I look now in a wheelchair, it still gives me that time and that appreciation to, to talk, just so I can talk surf every day, talk about conditions, talk about everyone surfing, you know, talk to my people, you know, and that's, that's you know, along with the independency is, is just being around my people and just working within that. And what about, I'm glad you used the word joy as a great word. Um, that's really good. I wonder what brings you joy in the, I guess, the hardcore business performance sense, you know, is it, um, you know, chasing certain products that you put into your retail store that you're taking a punt on is it customers is it bringing in new customers is it relationships that you have with other industry folk like what are those i guess small business performance moments or situations that that bring you joy and i guess you know bring you happiness as a as a business owner well i I think i like the game of it all you know almost competing against myself so you know you look at all you know your kpis and and trying to better that each quarter or or each year, and just that you know we're always on the wheel, 
trying to beat trying to beat those figures. Um, you know, I, I love everyone in the industry. I've built, you know, I've been in the industry, you know, all my life and all my working life, you know. So I've built some great relationships there um, that I, you know, they're kind of like semi-family. All my staff, you know, I've been super fortunate, especially these last sort of five to ten years where I've built really strong re- relationships with those guys. And I guess I'm at a point now where, you know, I've learned from, um, what I believe is is some great mentors along the way, um, and I think I'm at a point now where I'm just I'm trying to hand off knowledge to the young guys, you know, coming through behind me, you know, whether it's my staff or you know, young reps coming through or something. Uh, I get real joy in just trying to pass on the stuff that the others above me that've been in a long time have, have given to me. Mate, if I can dig into that knowledge a little bit deeper and if, if we can share it to the listener. And you can keep us in retail or you can expand this out to just, you know, self-business, own business um, in, in assessments as well. But, you know, what's, what's a thing or two that you'd share or you do advise, you know, youngsters that are probably hoping to have their own business in the future? What would you share? Um, I think uh, just stay close to your principles what your principles are in life, whatever they are, uh, stick to that, stick to, to who you are. Um, you know, a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, it's great what you've done, where you've, what you've accomplished, what you've done. And when I look at myself, like, you know, I, I just don't look at myself. I still think of me as that 15, 16-year-old kid, you know, just, as I said, wanting to surf more, wanting to, wanting just to hang out. I haven't got here through any sort of, you know, it's just been human agency within myself and you know, uh, and just where I stayed close to my, my principles, I guess, that have, that have actually got me to this point, you know. Uh, so I would say stay strong. Uh, like I said, stay close to your principles and just keep carrying on no matter, you know, what strips get torn off you. You know, just if you fall down, just keep getting back up, just keep getting back over and over. And uh, you'll get there. There's a humbleness in that for sure, but you're right. And, and I think you know everyone's going to get hit by setbacks, challenges, whatever word you want to call it, right? In their job, in their business, in their life. So, so that's awesome. Um, just to build a little bit more on inspiration, uh, and this I, I found this this was this was one thing where it's sort of you know six, deg- six degrees of separation for me. You talk in the book. Uh, one thing that helped inspire you was, I think you said it was a friend of yours gave you a poster of Mick Fanning uh, after he'd won the world title. It's a really you know, infamous photo in the, in the surf industry of Mick pointing to the sky, obviously acknowledging a, a brother of his that had passed away when he won the world title in Brazil. And it's an amazing photo that was captured. Um, you know, a huge crowd carrying him, um, you know, the euphoria that is winning anything, let alone a world title, first world title. I was in Brazil at the time. I used to work for Rip Curl. I was in Brazil, um, you know, with Mick, hoping that he was going to win the world title so we could market and media that. Um, when I came back, uh, you know, worked with the guys at Rip Curl, the designers, to sort of help um, kind of turn that amazing photo into like a whole marketing creative. You know, Mick's nickname was White Lightning, so we came up with the whole lightning strikes and all that kind of stuff. It was really so. It was you know very personal to kind of hear that you had. You know, and you talked the story, but you, you put that poster up in the hospital for quite a amount of time, right? Why did, what was it about that that got you? Well, I still think that's one of the best 
uh, images marketing-wise that the surf industry has, has come out with. Uh, but I had that image. It was actually the guys at Rip Curl in, in Singapore that um, I think Adam Sharp from over here organised. Um, and they brought that image in. And as soon as I seen the image, I just thought that was exactly what I needed. You know, I was laying in a hospital bed flat on my back. I uh, had my family around. And I just I put this image up right above my bed or right above the door, which I was pretty much the only thing I could look at. And it was just it was just that image of that's what I need. I, I exactly need that, like a lightning bolt, just to you know, to to fire my body back up. So I, I just stared at that image for you know every second of every day, just imagining that's exactly what I needed. And obviously, mixed journey as well. That was a big part of it. You know, he was severely injured and he came back. I've always loved the movies of you know the underdog or the guy that was you know on the bottom and he he, he got to the top. But the, the other thing that really inspired me um, during there, so I had I had mixed photo there, front and centre. But, well, when was this? 2008. So this was just as Facebook was coming to MySpace there, but everyone was still faxing over messages, you know. So I had, everyone was sending me faxes from, you know, all around the place into, the, into this hospital in Singapore. They actually came and had to tell us to ask everyone to stop because it was jamming up their faxes. So I had a stack, you know, a foot high of one-page sort of messages that we that we um, stuck all around the, the ICU ward, you know. And that's what gave me the inspiration was just life. Like all the friends, you know, obviously my family, my daughter's been a massive inspiration to me just to, to keep going. But also just all the family and friends and everyone who was like, you know, jumped on my cape and was just wishing me along the way, you know. So... Yeah, you know, it was just. I wish I had photos. I was just a mixed photos there, and just the whole walls blanketed in in messages from everyone. And that's what keeps me going. It's just people, I guess, life in general. Mate, that, I think that's a brilliant way for us to close. Um, and, and you know, the human connection, um, regardless of the job or the work that we have to do, and, and and hopefully, the person listening has that dream job already. But if they're aspiring to get one. Um, you know those little things being open to people uh, being accepted you know doing your networking when, when you need to but um, you know staying socially connected to people and there's all those things like it's not what you know it's who you know like all those things ring true in business as well right a lot of the time so uh, I think that's a great one to end on um, you know obviously with your staff and the work connections you have uh, through your business it's it's critical to your success uh, and, and forever will be so Mate, I really appreciate our time. This has been so awesome. Um, thanks for walking through some of those things. They jumped off the page at me uh, when I was reading your book. Um, I, I loved that when I looked at them, they related to not only, I guess, the um, you know the mission that you had to endure with the injury and everything after that, but also you know, we're, we're obviously critical to your success in business since then. So, Daz, I really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. No problems. 